time to get up. Okay, where am I? All right, let me, is it Saturday? No, 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 it's Monday. Okay. All right, let me go get Frances up. She takes the longest. Frances, it's seven o'clock. You got to get up. Give me five more minutes. Oh, five more minutes. Every, oh, good grief. John isn't even up. John, get up. Seven o'clock. You got to go to work. Jack, oh, I'm so tired of this. Jack, get up. The dogs, I got to get the dogs. Got to take the dogs out. Get the dog. Got to, five minutes. Frances, Come on, come on, we gotta get going. We gotta get going. I got too much to do. Get dressed, get dressed. So gotta feed the dogs. Gotta do this over here. No. 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 I don't have anything to wear. 
just strum up a home-cooked breakfast that I do every morning in my household. <laughs> Let's see, what will it be today? Waffles and some sausage and, you know, I think I'm going to set up a whole buffet for my family because this is usually what I do. Let me do that because I can whip it up in about 10 minutes fast. By then, Francis will be ready. Let's see, got the dogs, woke everybody up, got the dogs situated, got the home-cooked breakfast. Whew, what a wife, what a mother. What can I say? Let's see. <laughs> Got all this and got this. Got my hair. Got to get my hair looking good. Uh-huh. Got to get this done. Got to get this done. I wonder if she... Oh, I bet she's not even ready. Should I even go check on her? Probably better check on her one more time. Ready. Okay, come in. Let me see what you look like. Ah, uh, we are not wearing that to school today. Mama, it looks fine. Francis, you have on pajama pants, cowboy boots... I'm not sure even what we got going on on the top. We're, we're not wearing that to school today. Stop overreacting about what I wear. <sighs> Just come on. We got to get your hair done. We're running late. Come on. Come on. Come in here and let's get your hair done. Here. Let me help you. Let me help you. Oh, I love when you wear your hair down. It looks so pretty. Your mama can fix it like when you were mama, two. Just let me do it. <sighs> All right, fine. I don't even know if your daddy's up. Let me see. Oh, he smelled the food. He's up. He's up. He's already eaten. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, let me check on Jack. Sometimes it takes Jack longer to get his hair ready. Better check. Jack, are you ready? Yes, your sister's getting ready. Chill out. Okay. Let's see. Got that done. She's getting her hair fixed. It's going to look great. The dog's got to go in the pen. Don't want to come home to poop on the floor. All right, let's see. I think I got everything done. Let's see. Yeah, we're going to make it today. We're going to make it. I got my hair done. Francis, you cannot, you look like you just woke up. They're going to think that you do not. Mama, don't overreact. They're going to go, did her mother even see her this morning? I mean, fine, we're running late. We got to go. We can grab your book bag. We can get your purse. We got to go. Jack, we're leaving. Let's go. Wait, I forgot to do my homework. Get in the car. Let's go. Let's go. I, I don't know about you, but um, that sometimes happened at my house and continues to happen at my house. It's just like that. Um, raising children uh, during this age when they are entering into adolescence can be pretty tough. They get um, pretty independent before they're quite ready for that, and, and it can be quite a struggle. We are uh, so excited about a conference that we're putting together called Almost a Teenager, and it's for parents and their children, fourth through seventh grade. It's February the 24th through the 25th here at First Baptist. Uh, we're bringing in Dr. Alan Johnson, Jackson, excuse me, from New Orleans Seminary, and we're real excited about the uh, input and insight that he's going to have. I want to encourage you parents and grandparents to go ahead and register online at fbctifton.org slash almost. And parents, um, when you're registering, if you'd like to sponsor another family, we don't want the cost to be uh, to be a problem. Grandparents, same for you. If you'd like to sponsor a family coming, it is uh, $40 per family up to February the 14th. And then after that, it will go up to uh, 
45 and then at the door 50. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and register and be a part of uh, this conference and uh, getting uh, ahead of what the culture is screaming to our children um, before they're ready for it and, and to get their, them focused on, on Jesus and who they are in Christ. Thank you. Good morning. We'd like to welcome you today. And uh, what we're going to do is real simple. If you're, our, if you're uh, a guest, we're going to ask you to stay seated for just a moment. And we're going to stand up and we're going to greet you. We're going to uh, greet each other. And while we're doing that, the ushers will give you some information about our church. So let's take an opportunity to welcome each other and welcome our guests. Disciple of Jesus Christ, member of First Baptist Church here in Tifton, Georgia, and we'd love to have you come join us this morning. I invite you, no, I encourage you to come be with us on Sunday morning. Brother, I'd submit to you that there are three components to our relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. The first is worship. It says in the Bible that Jesus was a church gourd. You know that? In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, He says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. If Jesus saw it fit to come to church, maybe we should too make it a matter of importance. The second component is discipleship. After all, it wasn't Jesus and the 12 dudes, it was Jesus and the 12 disciples. Remember the familiar verse, Matthew 28, 19, he said, Therefore go and make disciples. There's nothing like being in a small group discussion like Sunday school class where you're sharing with one another, praying for one another. There's one thing we all have in common, and that's challenges or problems. The third component is service. You know, the moment that you get saved, God equips you as a believer with spiritual gifts, all to provide ministry, to edify Him. So if you're missing either one of those, worship, discipleship, or service, I'd submit to you that you're not living up to that abundant life that Jesus promises. We'd love to have you come join us. Visit our website at fbctipton.org or give us a call. We've got someone standing by. If you need prayer or if you'd like more information, it's 382-6063. We hope to see you Sunday. We've got a chair waiting on you. Blessed be the name of 
Let us pray. Dear Father, we just come to you now, first of all, acknowledging just how great and omnipotent you are and how much you have blessed each one of us here today. God, the words in that song, Jesus, all for love's sake, came down and made himself poor for us, God, and we acknowledge that. And at this time, God... We just come to you offering a small token of what we can give to love you and to love others, God. We thank you so much for how richly you blessed each one of us. We can never thank you enough for that. But we ask that you accept our offerings this morning. And God, that I ask that for each one of us, you help us and motivate us to do it cheerfully, God, that we thankfully and graciously give so that we can love others and so that we can love you more. In Christ's name I ask this. Amen.
Thanks, guys. We'll pull this up a little bit. Well, this is Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to look at the Bible and see what it says about life from God's perspective. And uh, it's also uh, an opportunity for us to do so through the, through the eyes of Hosea. We're preaching through the Bible, and, and each Sunday a different book. So how difficult do you think it is to find something about the importance of obeying God and following his will in the book of Hosea? Not very. Hosea 4, 1 through 6, the sermon's entitled, Ignorance is No Excuse. Hosea 4, 1 through 6 says this, Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or kindness and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing and lying and killing, stealing and committing adultery. They break all bounds and murder follows murder. Therefore the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and even the fish of the sea are taken away. In other words, when, when God is disobeyed, all creation suffers. Yet let no one contend and let no one accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day, the prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Look at that. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me, and since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children." It's typical what happens when a land forgets God. All of the, the results of that, all the implications of that are coming crashing down on Israel. And Hosea is just standing up and pronouncing what's already happening. And it's a terrible situation. It's a, a sad situation and Hosea is just calling it as he sees it. Today's Sanctity of Life Sunday, the sermon's entitled Ignorance is no excuse. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you to open up your word, speak to us and teach us and help us become more knowledgeable about your word and then more obedient to it. Help us grow. Help us get outside what society says and what people say 
and look to what you say and follow you. And in so doing, get back on the path that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's an outline in your worship bulletin, real simple, talking about Hosea in his day and talking about us in our day. Bob and Pam were Christian missionaries to the Philippines. Pam was experiencing a difficult time with her pregnancy. As time progressed, Pam contracted amoebic dysentery. It was an infection that enters through contaminated food or water and spreads throughout your digestive tract. And it spread rapidly, and eventually Pam lapsed into a coma. It was that serious. Well, to revive Pam from the coma, the doctors had to administer strong medicines. Medicines, the doctors told Pam, would do irreversible damage to the baby boy that Pam was carrying. And they encouraged Pam to abort the baby. Bob and Pam's faith would not allow them to consent to abortion. And so the decision to keep the child was made, knowing full well that the baby could be born with multiple deformities. The pregnancy was so difficult, Pam spent the last two months of her pregnancy in bed before the baby was born in August of 1987. The doctors were wrong, and the baby was not only born healthy, but the son of Bob and Pam Tebow became the youngest football player ever to win the Heisman Trophy in college football, and now he plays for the Broncos and is a wonderful Christian witness and uh, just a couple weeks ago, led the Broncos into the playoffs into an upset over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Perhaps you remember seeing that game. They upset all of Pittsburgh when they did that. The only indication whatsoever that I could tell that there were any problems with the birth is that Tim chose to play football for the University of Florida <laughs> rather than Alabama. Amen? Or Georgia. Amen? Yeah, I got more of an amen on that. <laughs> So that just goes to show you that you don't always know the treasure that you're carrying inside and what that life can mean and the difference it can make, that little boy or girl in the world today. Hosea is preaching. He is prophesying. And and when I say prophesy, a lot of people think a prophet in the Old Testament is someone who foretells the future. That's not what a prophet does. A prophet we learned in seminary, forth tells. A, a prophet tells what is happening today. And it's in a way that the people don't always like to hear because he's telling the truth and he calls it as he sees it. And that's what Hosea is doing. And in chapter 4, it is the words of a courtroom scene. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. The, the Hebrew word controversy is the word riv, R-I-V. And it literally means a complaint. It is a legal term. God has a complaint against Israel. And and here is a courtroom scene. And instead of God being the judge, God is, is the one lodging the complaint. And Israel is the defendant. God is bringing a complaint and he's listing all the charges uh, that Israel has, has failed in. And there's no defense. Everything that God says Israel has done has happened. And he's, 
as a result of that, he's showing the results of their faithlessness and their disobedience. There is, verse 1, there is no faithfulness or kindness, no knowledge of God in the land. Look, look what happens when situation deteriorates because God's not there. There is swearing, lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery, breaking all bounds, murder and murder and murder. And the land, as I said, creation is crying out because of what Israel has done to God. This is a scene in a courtroom, and God is marshalling all the evidence against Israel. And down in verse 4 and 5, he, he actually blames the priests and prophets in their failure to discharge their duties. Let no one contend, let none accuse, for with you is my contention, my controversy, my argument, O priest. You stumble, the prophet stumbles with you. And my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And God is blaming the priests and the prophets for the lack of knowledge in the land of Israel because they have neglected the things of God. But then God hastens to go on and say that you people are without excuse. Because even though the priests and prophets have failed you, you still could have known. You still should have known. You still should have been obedient to what you know God wants you to do, and you should be studying the things of God and living by them. So nobody is blameless in this courtroom scene, in this argument that God is bringing against Israel. And the result, verses 9 and 10, you don't have it on the screen, but in your Bible, it shall be like people, like priests. In other words, people, you're going to become just like your priest. I will punish them I will requite them. They shall not eat. They shall eat, but not be satisfied. Verse 10, they shall play the harlot, but not multiply because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish harlotry. In other words, they're going to eat, but not be satisfied. It's like you're thirsty and you drink salt water and it just makes you more and more thirsty. And it is just a downward spiral that's going to happen because the people have neglected God and they have gone after idols and it is a hopeless cause and a downward turn and there's nothing they can do to turn it around. So that's why Hosea is not very popular. He is telling the people what they are doing. And can you imagine, you know, a preacher standing up and saying, God is, God has forgotten you. You have forgotten God and he's going to turn his back on you. And look what's happening in our land today. Things have gone from bad to worse, and you're pursuing the things that will not satisfy. You're eating, but you're still hungry. You're drinking, but you're still thirsty. You're going after other gods, and your soul is still empty. And it's a dead-end street, and nothing, nothing can be done to turn it around. He goes on in, in um, a familiar passage in chapter 8, verse 7. Hosea says, They sow the wind... You've heard this before. You sow the wind and reap what? You reap the whirlwind. What does that mean? You know, when you take seeds and you sow something, the crop comes up 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. You have no control. When you're sowing wild seeds, you're going to come up with a crop of all kinds of weeds. And so Hosea is saying, look what you're doing. It's just not only what you're doing is bad, but you're sowing seeds into the future. And your children and your grandchildren and, and your great and your descendants and generation after generation, you're going to reap a whirlwind. It's going to multiply and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. 
And so it seems hopeless. And so when we take this passage and look at it in our day, the situation is not that different. Any media that you read, any newspaper, any magazine, any television show, if you look back, if you step back and look at it critically, we're not that different from Israel in Hosea's day. We are a nation that is neglecting God. And testimony to that is our lack of respect for human life. And I'm talking about from conception to the elderly in the nursing home or in your home. There is a lack of respect for life. The Bible teaches so clearly that we are to protect the vulnerable and speak up for those who have no voice of their own. We have that responsibility incumbent upon us. And who has no voice? Those that are unborn, those elderly who languish in a bed somewhere. No one speaks for them. And so we, God tells us, we are responsible to speak up for them, to protect them, to help them any way we can. You know, if a child is not wanted, then please put that precious child up for adoption. Susan and I had five miscarriages, and I can tell you there are nights when we cried ourselves to sleep because we were childless. There are thousands of couples in our, in our world today, in our nation today, who would give anything to adopt a child. Of all the options possible, abortion is the worst possible one. It's a life. It's a life that God created. When you get back to Hosea, thankfully Hosea's story doesn't end on a negative note. Because of what he did in his own life. It's a different story. Hosea, if you know anything about Hosea, he married a wife. You know what her name was? Gomer. That's your first mistake, men, marrying a woman named Gomer. And they had a daughter, let's see, in chapter 1, verse 6. She conceived and bore a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Call her name not pitied. They had a daughter and they named her not pitied. For I will have no more pity on the house of Israel. And then they had a son. Verse 9, chapter 1. Call his name not my people. For you're not my people and I'm not your God. So Hosea and Gomer had at least two children. Little not pitied, little not my people. Come in here. Sit down and eat dinner. Get up. or <laughs> Time to get up and go to school. Not pitied, you're not wearing that to school today. <laughs> you're not wearing your hair like that. Um, after that, Gomer, you know the story, deserted her family, went after other men, but eventually came back home and miracle of miracles and grace upon grace, Hosea opened his arms and welcomed Gomer back home. And like so many Old Testament prophets, what Hosea was doing was enacting his message. He was, by his life, preaching the message to Israel. In other words, he was saying, Israel, if you will come back after going after foreign gods, if you will come back, God will take us back just as Hosea took Gomer back after going after other men. Hosea was acting his, his message out 
if Israel would listen. It's the same thing. It's the same thing to us today. No matter where we've gone, no matter what we've done, no matter what other gods we have pursued, he will still open his arms and welcome us back. That's the message of Hosea. That's the message of God today. It's kind of interesting, at Rotary on Wednesday, we had a speaker from LifeLink. I didn't know this, but LifeLink is the organization in Georgia that's responsible for all the organ donations from, from person to person in our state. Uh, if someone is, has died or at the point of death um, and, and the family wants to donate the organs, LifeLink comes in, sends a medical team in to evaluate the situation, has the list of potential recipients and, and matches those, those donor organs with the recipients that need them the most. So naturally, someone in the, in the audience Wednesday asked, when do you determine death has occurred? Because you can put someone on life support indefinitely. And the man replied that death technically is when there's no more brain activity. And you can, you can measure that with, with EEGs and that kind of thing. So I got to thinking if brain activity, if no brain activity indicates death, then doesn't that imply the corollary is also true that, that the presence of brain activity indicates life? Do you know that brain activity begins in an unborn child at nine weeks? Nine weeks, there is measurable brain activity. So by the medical definition, the presence of brain activity indicates life. Just the medical criteria, that unborn child is alive at nine weeks with the presence of brain activity. Of course, I would take it back even earlier than that and say that, that life begins at conception when God imprints his image upon that unborn child. Israel was being destroyed for lack of knowledge. But Hosea is saying to them, ignorance is no excuse. Today, we act like we are without knowledge but we are without excuse. The good news is that like Hosea and Gomer, God will still open his arms and take us back. And he'll do the same for you. God, no matter what, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, no matter your past, God will take you back, but you have to turn. You have to admit your need. You have to confess your sins and come home. To him. Shall we pray? Father, as we, as we come to consider how precious you deem life from the moment of conception until that, that moment when, when death occurs, it's a lifeline. And we have no business interfering in that because life is something only you can give and it's something only you should take away. And when we pretend to interfere with that, then we are usurping a right that belongs only to you and a prerogative that only you are wise enough and responsible enough to handle. And when we presume to do something only you can do, then, then we are acting like a god. And that's idolatry. So please forgive us. Not only as a nation 
for the abomination of abortion that has beset us, but for the silence that has come from the church as a result. Father, help us to defend those who can't defend themselves, to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, just as every one of us here today treasures life in our own bodies. And every morning when we wake up is grateful for another day. Surely those who are yet to be born and those who are toward the end, they treasure life too. So help us. Bless and protect them. For we are without excuse before you. And our nation in many ways is going down the path of Israel. And Hosea is calling us back to knowledge and obedience and courage to speak out, to speak up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing an invitation to him this morning to give you the